All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 214 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Jillian Gill, admin on the FAQ message board, and some different faces. This is a whole different group. I don't know what I'm looking at here. Uh, Daniel Wees, good to see you again, my friend. Long time. You uh, held down the fort with, was it with Ken while I was away on the cruise? So I'm glad you're well, you're willing to be back for more. Um, Alive Catman, Andrew Scambati. Andrew, good to see you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I tuned into the podcast Rock City live on Wednesday to hear you talking about your trials and tribulations and drama. <laughs> we'll get to you on that in a second, just for anyone who did not <laughs> tune into that. And of course, Ken, 69th Blizzard. Thank you, Ken. Hey, good morning. All right. So, yeah, let's just start off with uh, the trials and tribulations of a documentary filmmaker because uh, shit does indeed happen. You were on Podcast Rock City. I guess that was set up before the video got. Uh... Yeah. So it's funny. <laughs> I set up a bunch of podcasts that I'd be appearing on to talk about Greatest Show on Earth before it was taken down because if you guys don't know, it was up for about a month before any anything happened. As soon as I said that it was mine. We had a surge in views, which was awesome, and, and people were loving it. And then all of a sudden, it was gone. Less than seven days after I said that it was mine, it was gone. So uh, for now, it will stay gone. I'm not sure what's going to happen with it from here on out. I, I will tell you this. When it was first uploaded, um, Universal monetized all the audio content. So meaning you know, all the stuff from Alive 2, Universal monetized. So if there was ad revenue that ever came in from that, um, it would go right to Universal. Which which is fine. So I thought, okay, cool. They monetize it. There's going to be ads, and that's just how it's going to be. So I, I assume, Julian, that you and I share a same a similar experience uh, from someone who wanted to drag our names through the dirt. And I think that that's why Greatest Show on Earth was taken off of YouTube. My opinion. I have no evidence. It's just all speculation. Yeah, it, it certainly will be. And you know what? Universal got their twenty six cents. You know, for monetizing yeah. that video. No, it's it's probably more like 125 <laughs> for 30,000 views. But um, yeah, you know, it, what, it, whatever the case, you know, if you missed it, let me just say it was really, really good. It was a very entertaining you. watch. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did. I think you did a fantastic job with the concept. We obviously have a FAQ episode with you when you talked about it beforehand. Yeah. Um, that goes into a lot more detail. So you know what? Mission accomplished, I say. You had 30,000 people view it. The yeah. vast, 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 I mean 99% of the feedback was positive um, until once you put your name out there. Um, and then none of that <laughs> feedback counts after they know who it is. Uh, the anonymous side of it was really fun to watch the reaction to it because it was a very positive thing that people said. If I, If Kiss had done this in 1978, I would have loved it on the big screen. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I, I, I like to say, and I said this on podcast Rock City. I don't know if this is. I, I hope this isn't the end of the greatest show on Earth story because, you know, there are people that still want to see it. I won't be uploading it. I won't be distributing it. That was never. That was never what it was about for me. I never wanted to do anything like that. I just wanted someone to enjoy it, as much as I did putting it together. So there you go. Very cool. All right, let's move on then. Um, today, you know, we are at the anniversary right. of his passing. Regardless, yes. Yes. thank you for the correction. 
But, uh, you know, let's just go around with everyone's favorite memories of Eric Carr as, you know, the first one that comes to your mind right today. And mine is a very easy one. It is the bombastic introduction to King of the Mountain, Off Asylum, which was, of course, my first Kiss album. And, you know, after watching the videos for Tears Are Falling and All Night back in December 85, when I became a fan, going into Kmart and buying that album, slipping it into my cassette deck. Um, I didn't have to wear headphones, fortunately. Pressing play. And everyone who was a fan at the time will remember that bombastic introduction to King of the Mountain coming through the speakers. And I was just uh, floored by it. You know, I'd become a fan because of Tears Are Falling and All Night, which, you know, aren't particularly stunning uh, musically. At least one of them isn't. Tears Are Falling's fantastic. But, uh, Tears Are Falling is fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, that completely blew my mind. It was a really, really good intro, one that um, I always enjoy to this day. Uh, Ken, let's go to you for your – or yeah, for, for, my, for the one my, my, <laughs> my, I mean, the first memory is the – uh, I saw them on Kids Are People too. Uh, the first airing, as it showed the first time, it was like a Sunday, early Sunday morning. Uh, I saw that. Um, but I guess a, a close second for that would be when I uh, saw uh, saw Kiss on, you know, Creatures of the Night, um, and saw him play live for the first time. Um, you know. He was just a force, uh, you know, on stage, and you could see he gave everything, put everything into his drumming, um, and the, so that's that's the real first stuff for me. Um, yeah, he'll he'll be truly missed. He, he is missed every day. Daniel, how about you, as a fellow Asylum fan? What's your favorite uh, memory of Eric Carr? Well, uh, there are a lot of memories about Eric Carr, but uh, one of my most uh, precious ones are, you know, back in the day, it wasn't there was no YouTube, there was uh, no way of getting videos that easily, at least. So I remember getting a bootleg from uh, uh, Detroit, 1990, uh, seeing mm. one of those concerts. I think it was the second one when he did uh, his drum solo. And that was like amazing. I had never seen something like that. I'd never seen anything like that. Uh, so um, that's a vivid memory I have. And then, of course, as you say, King of the Mountain, Asylum being my first, one of my first albums. And then I remember just being uh, possessed with Kiss. And I just find, found this a little. <laughs> this is from like 1985. Here is my drawing of, I think. <laughs> Easy. That that's Eric Carr right there, 1986 <laughs> maybe. And there you have Bruce Kulick and I have all the guys. So you you know how it is when you find a band that you that you uh, re- the first band that you fall in love with. The Liverpool Kiss for me and Eric Carr was a big part of that, and he was a tremendous drummer. And um, I I always cherish my memories of of him. All right, we Baron Laddie. What's your memory of him? Well, Eric was actually my inspiration to being a drummer. It wasn't yeah. Peter Chris. It, it was it was Eric Carr. And I saw the Detroit 84 show first because I, I was a makeup fan and I really didn't venture into non-makeup kiss until probably the farewell tour when they started doing those songs again. So when I first discovered Eric, I was like, this is this is incredible. I, I was totally obsessed with with the, the hair and, and the drums and everything. And I remember I couldn't get enough 
of, of Eric Karzoff. Got Rockology at the time. Uh, then years later, got the book, Tail the Fox. You know, it's there. There are so many cool things. And I, I remember as a really, really young kid, I had a newspaper clipping of Eric's passing that was in my local newspaper. And it was I was surprised that there you know, years later that it wasn't Freddie Mercury. It was an Eric Carr. My thinks it was a New York area newspaper. But there are there. I, I can't hone in on just one memory of of Eric Carr because. This guy, he really, really enjoyed not only his place in the band, but he really enjoyed his fans, too. And I don't think that's been duplicated with any member of KISS. Now, I'm not talking badly about any member of KISS because I've met them all. They've all been great to me, every single one of them, every time. But something about what people have told me about Eric and how he took the time to talk and meet with his fans, and he was just essentially grateful for the position that he was in. You know, it, it was amazing. So, you know... uh Definitely, I will definitely crank Tail of the Fox today and tomorrow and uh, remember in Eric Carr. Great yep. guy. And hope for more archival material to come out uh, with him. Yeah. I think there's a pretty bottomless pit of uh, audio, at least, so maybe there's hope for something else to happen in the future. Let's hope so. Yeah. All right. So uh, one of the other things that's been kind of um, – hitting the FAQ message board and Facebook quite a bit over the past couple of days is Eddie Trunk. And <laughs> I, I, I called him Eddie's boy. And I think, um, someone else made a parallel with, if you've watched the Incredibles, the, uh, cartoon movie, then you'll know that there's a character in there who wanted to be a superhero wanted to be yeah. the sidekick to Mr. Incredible and was rejected from, by him. And later he comes back wanting to destroy that which he once mm. loved. And the person who made that comment, and I'm sorry, I don't remember your name and wouldn't really want to use it on air, just in case. Um, it's a freaking I, great parallel. I immediately got a picture of Eddie, got a picture of, I can't remember, Incredible Incredible Boy or whatever his name was. Incre uh, Incredible Boy. Incredible Boy. Mm. And, you know put them together and put Eddie's face on there and it looked right it looked absolutely what Eddie seems to have become in that he's on the air criticizing Paul's voice now saying that Paul's gonna completely fake and you know do the snake oil with audio during the tour um, criticizing the band at every turn so is this a case of the super fan gone bad and does it really have a place or does someone, I mean, someone was trying to persuade Eddie to give the band a chance again, which is a really sad thing. Ken, I'm going to go to you straight as the voice of reason. What do you think Eddie Trunk should be doing? Should he shut up or is that even possible? <laughs> well, he, he should shut up. He's, he's, he's <laughs> disgruntled basically from my opinion <laughs> because he can't get, you know, uh, Gene or Paul, to be on the show for these, you know, their interviews. Um, they've turned them down for years, whether it be on the metal show or whatever, and his radio program, he's just disgruntled and, you know, they won't give him the time of day. That's why he supports, you know, Ace and Peter. They, they, they've been on the show and they've done the interviews with them, but yeah, Eddie truck is just, you know, it's his way of, I don't know if he's purposely getting back. He's just mad because they, they won't show up on his show. Um, so I, I don't know. I think, 
I don't know where to what to tell Eddie Trunk. It's like you know, just just leave it be. This was your band that you promoted it for years. All of a sudden, you're you're gonna you know go against them just because they won't do something a favor for you. Um, it's just just you know, let it be. Let it be. Yeah, I can't get Gene and Paul either. But get out of here. But I. But I my kids. Yeah, that's Sorry. okay. Don't worry. Yeah, but I don't start shouting like an angry kid, angry kid about it, and uh, you know, getting start insulting them. I still love the yeah. band. I always will love the band, whether or not they give me the time of day. I totally understand that as someone who does things uh, commercially outside the realm of Kiss, that they are not going to give me any time of day because. Why should they? Why they they probably already think I'm monetizing off their backs in some way, so they're not going to give me that additional push. But Eddie, I think, is in the same boat, even though he's a personality, that he needs them because that will bring viewers and listeners to whatever he does, and he forgets about the goodwill. I actually do enjoy Eddie. I think a lot of what he does really keeps rock and roll alive and relevant and pertinent, even if he makes too much of it, in my opinion, about himself. He always seems yeah. to be able to inject himself into a story, but those of us who talk a lot, how often do... I, I mean, I just did the exact same thing, talking about Gene and Paul and my experience, so I do the same thing Eddie does. Other podcasters do the same thing. Thing when, whenever you do talk but I, I think he forgets that he needs them way more than they need him and insulting them and mm. basically show me on the dolly where the bad boys hurt you Eddie really gets a bit old it, it really is unfortunate Daniel what's your take on this as someone outside of the states listening to these clowns <laughs> well uh, I have to first of all I want to say that I've always enjoyed uh, a lot of Eddie Trunk's stuff uh, especially that metal show I think was a brilliant show and he, mm -hmm. uh, he I always enjoyed the interviews and uh, the way it was put together I think it's such a shame that it uh, uh, went off the air I think it was a great show and um, basically he's a fan of the originals uh, and Later on, he was also a fan of of uh, the Eric Carr era and Eric Singer era. But then something happened when they put Ace's makeup and Pierre's makeup on Eric and uh, Tommy. Mm -hmm. Since that day, he's been brutal to the band. Even back in the early 2000s, it was the same. And now when the band is actually starting to show some wear and tear uh, i mean they were good through the 2000s but now you can see that you know you know about paul's voice and age age that's yeah amazing. yeah that's all it is but but mm -hmm. I, I would say i would like to see him you know pay a little bit more respect to the band as they are to in the most people's opinion uh, respected veterans and you don't go out and say well hey look at mick jagger he looks like an old fart Yes, you know that's the, the whole thing. So, so uh, and, and it seems like he, he's almost enjoying himself a bit too much, you know, these days when when he actually can't say. I, I mean, it's like he enjoyed understanding that Paul had backing tracks, and finally he was correct, and and the 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 whole band is a scam and all that. So, I think he has just w went overboard. Hopefully, he will, you know take it easy on the band because uh, they're old 
but in my opinion there they they should be treated like the respected veterans and uh, that they are and they have contributed a lot to the rock and roll history and music scene so uh, i think he, he has went completely overboard lately yeah yeah, I think he lacks empathy for the, for yeah. for the band that he professed to love, and and also his experience in the industry and working with Ace and knowing his human frailties. Same with uh, Peter, who he's had on the show, not in recent years though, but certainly previously. He's forgotten, or seems to willfully be forgetting what has happened to many rock stars who maybe have stayed overstayed. Um, their their physical yeah. capabilities, the Coverdales, the uh, Vince Meals, the <laughs> talk about them. That's about about them. Yeah, you know, so there, there there's very few. I mean, Andrew, I'm almost afraid to go to you on Eddie Trunk, but uh, well, let me tell you something <laughs> about Eddie Trunk. I used to listen to him every Friday and Saturday night growing up. Eddie Trunk to me always reminded me of home. You know, I, I discovered so much music because of Eddie Trunk. And those Kissmas specials that he did in the 90s and the early 2000s, man, those were freaking awesome. I still go back and re-listen to them. You know, the I know years later, the Merry Kissmas special was just, you know, a glorified playlist of Kiss songs. But, man, let me tell you, Eddie Trunk, for me, shaped a lot of what I like and what I listen to in music. You know, that was it. This was before the YouTubes. This was like the early like Internet chat days. And like he's on Friday Night Rocks on NEW. Like I I always loved Eddie Trunk and I was a huge, huge Eddie Trunk supporter. I don't really like what he's become now. I think he could take a he could take his own advice and listen to how excited he was back then when he was talking about not only Kiss, but talking about music. Now that he's gotten this this fame, this national fame, which if you guys remember before Satellite Radio, before that metal show, he was basically a tri-state area disc jockey, and he did it well. I have nothing bad to say about his legacy, nothing. He really worked his way up the reins. So what I figure once he got that notoriety for being a national personality, he's not a disc jockey anymore, he's a personality now he maybe let a little bit of it go to his head. And that's unfortunate because I think the guy is great. I've met him many times. I've stood outside his radio station in New York city many times to meet Peter, to meet Ace, to meet all these other people. I've went to, I went to New York steel in 2001, the the concert he, Mm -hmm. he put together for the world trade center victims. You know, I went to one of his birthday bashes that Ace played. I mean, it's, you know, I, I almost, I ignore what he says now because I don't want to tarnish what I had because I basically grew up listening to that guy. You know, I, I discovered Iron Maiden because of Eddie Trunk. I really and Iron Maiden is one of my favorite bands now. So, you know, I, I wish Eddie would practice not saying so much. <laughs> you know, and that's the nicest way I can put it. It really is. <laughs> Because let me tell you something, that guy, he shaped so many people by bringing them music that really wasn't on the forefront at that point. And I want to go back to that. I really do. I really do. But 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 you have to keep in mind, he's always been honest about what he thinks. Uh, and this is the way he thinks about Kiss. And saying that they are okay if he doesn't feel like they are okay wouldn't be right either. So he, he's sort of a, he has become a sort of a, 
grumpy old man himself. Maybe, maybe, but but I feel like he was. I mean, I feel like maybe he censored himself a little bit more. Not that he lied on the air, but I thought maybe he knew when to say when to say what at what time. You know, I just I feel like now he he when he's getting off on these tangents, yeah, it, like he's got this high pitched voice. And I'm like, Eddie, this was never just yeah. like I must have listened. I must have listened to 500 of his shows easily. Easily, and I used to tape him on cassette, and then I would mm. pl- I would go to Vintage Vinyl, and I would listen to him on cassette as I was browsing. I mean, this guy, I used to love this guy's show, but I just I don't listen anymore. No, you, you oh. know what? It, it's it's weird in one sense. The, you know, when you I guess your personality, and I don't want to make a parallel of myself with Eddie Trunk because I'm not on his level in any sense, but I've always felt a responsibility to be moderate in my comments when I am being critical of the band, to try and think carefully about what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. And that's one of the rules that's part of the terms of service on the Kiss FAQ. Everyone just dropped their drinks and just said, what? You actually have rules? But I would, you know, if Eddie came on the board and ranted like he does on some of his shows, I'd probably have to ban him. That's the hilarious part of considering about some of the things that he says because he just go he actually reminds me of a few of our board members who rant about the same shit over and over and over and screw <laughs> yeah. so close to the lines that i can't ban them um yet but uh, but it's a lot of you know what do you say schadenfreude it's a german word do you have that in english you know yeah, sh- yeah we use the same word schadenfreude schadenfreude yeah yeah schadenfreude yeah so that's like Eddie trunk at this point with kiss he loves it when they stink. He absolutely loves it, and I hate it. So too. that's too bad. Yeah, me too. But here's the thing: on the on the cruise, their performance on the electric shows did not stink by any means, and it certainly wasn't Memorex all the way through. So yeah, he's been very selective for someone who wasn't there and didn't witness it in person or experience it in person to be making some very, very broad comments, which I think are far off base. I'm surprised he hasn't had a text well, from uh, Gene. One, one thing, it goes back to... Yeah, what, yeah that's, uh, that, that was, I love that. That was cool. Yeah, that was a good what, one. What uh, Daniel said earlier is if if this was the band right now with uh, Gene, Paul, and it was Ace and Peter in the band, would he be doing that it, still with with Paul's vocals? No, he. I, I guarantee he would not be, you know, coming down on Paul and you know, and he's lying to the fans and that sort of. Stuff. He wouldn't do that. I know he wouldn't do that. It's all about Tommy and and uh, Eric being in the makeup. Too, yeah, but so. come on, it's been so long yeah. since since that's get happened. I mean, it. get yeah, exactly, get over it. You know, <laughs> and, and and if he doesn't like yeah. it so much, don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, Shut talk up. about the talk about the other bands that that you love so much. I mean, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I I hate rap and country music. You will never <laughs> find me talking about either one of those. So you just you know, I, I made. Well, I made a I made a post I made a post a, a, a couple days ago when Greatest Earth was still live. I said, you know, promote what you love, ignore what you hate, and just do that. If more people kind of did that, I mean, we would be talking about a lot more positive things across the board, across the board. Yes, yes, I know satire is funny. Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, see, yeah. sat satire is funny. You know, we love to make jokes, but there's a there's a line where the jokes are no longer funny, and you're just like, oh, why are you, why are you being an ass? 
you know, and, and it's and it's unfortunate that we have a lot of people that that take it way too far. Yeah, and I was just flashing yeah. Gene's uh, book there because I've been reading it for some research um, lately. And again, it goes back to his mantra of every day above ground. At some point, the Kiss fans who really have nothing left invested in the band really just need to check out and stop signing in. And I think Eddie is one of them. Eddie shouldn't be talking about Kiss as a current active thing because it's, it's clear that he doesn't have any passion for them when it all becomes negative and you become drunk bastard. Um, I was just thinking about him too. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that guy, man, legend, that guy. legend. There we are. We're talking about him. Um, you know, when you become that guy, who just really doesn't enjoy anything. It's like, why are you still talking about them every time yes. he opens his mouth about them? I still happen to care about the band. I doesn't mean I'm not going to be critical of them at times. I've said it repeatedly, you know, that I'm often critical of the band. But I again, I try and phrase it in a way that isn't just angry ranting. I save my angry rants for when I'm really, really upset. So. Yeah, about something that actually matters. This is just a band. This is just a pastime. This isn't this, this you know, the talk, I mean, come on. There are so many more important things to be mad about than a band. Exactly. I'm just I'm just not mad taxes. about the band. Yeah, I'd be mad about the taxes. I'm just not mad about the band. I'm just not. Yeah, I'm mad that I and, didn't and, get a big enough turkey this year. Damn it. And if I'm and if I'm mad about the band, I won't talk about the band. All right. Well, that's that's enough time. Eddie, I'd actually like to get you on this show and talk to you about your, your, you know, walk through his whole history and then try and get into some of these things about what does make him tick at this point and what makes him so pissed. So I'm happy to give you some airtime, Eddie, in other words. Do you a solid. All right. Let's, uh, let's, go, let's go from one lunatic into something else that was just posted today is video from the Vinnie Vincent sound check in Miami. Oh, my God. And I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. Well, you need no. to see it. If you've uh, watched the footage of him actually performing live, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's you know, bits and pieces, a good 18 minutes worth of footage. And, you know, for anyone else who hasn't seen it, go and check it out. It's him tuning his guitar. And then starting to work through Lick It Up and I Love It Loud. Someone commented, why is there a Kiss logo on the drums? Well, I, apparently they were sharing drums between the acts. And that was uh, was a Kiss America, probably yeah. their, their yeah, set. Yeah, there was a Kiss band that was there, yeah. Yeah, since yeah. they were the last band, you're not going to switch out drum kits in a little club in between acts unless you're, you've got a lot of time. So it's interesting footage. It's no better performance-wise than what you saw. But it has, uh, you know, I, th I think it's better shot. So Daniel, you've got some homework to go and watch that, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. next time we have you on, we'll see if you <laughs> if it improves your opinion of it. That's just more of an informational. Um, before we even try and broach today's topic, you know, are there have there been anything on your guys' minds? Some quick topics that we can just uh, go through, or go. I mean, Andrew, you had about five minutes notice to. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you know, I love to to just talk at nausea about Kiss. I do. It's just something I know a lot about. So okay, uh, I mean, so so on that, let's go to Ken first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, let's go back to Andrew because I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I mean the, the the topic that that you mentioned uh, that's actually a really great topic. So I do want want to talk about that in length. But there really aren't. I mean, there there are things going on in the Kiss world that maybe I like, maybe I don't like. But but again, I rather I talk about something cool and talk about something that's going to make people think. 
and and maybe uh, had them enjoy listening to us. Can you believe there's been over 200 episodes of people talking about Kiss and people still listen? Like that's like, you know, so I'd rather talk about something cool than talk about something that maybe I don't like or like that's going on. I mean, Jesus, if you think about it, add up all the episodes, Podcast Rock City's done, Podcast, Three Sides, yeah. Kiss Room, yeah. Us, Pot of Thunder. Oh my God! I mean, that's a Kiss lot. My Collectibles. Kiss my collectibles and kiss my wax <laughs> and kiss my boots. You know, yeah. so that is a shitload of content. All right, yeah. well, enough about us. Let's talk about kiss. All right, so the t- the topic that we actually want to kind of get into today, and I've got no idea how long this this will last, is that Queen recently, <laughs> uh, the biopic Bohemian Rhapsody, hit the screens, something that we'd been following for years. We know that Motley Crue has been filming The Dirt and has just cut four new songs uh, for that biography but could one be done for kiss when you think about how some of these other biopics as the doors comes to mind as well you know how they handle timelines um how they deal with characters for instance michael mike myers in uh, uh bohemian rhapsody is like a composite of many different characters not just one he wasn't didn't really exist how could it well, let's start with number one. What are your favorite musical biopics that have come out in you know in the past, Andrew? You know, it's it's difficult because ninety eight percent of them are corny and just something I don't watch repeatedly. My favorite music document, my favorite music biopic, is something of a fantasy band. It's almost famous. How can you get better than than that? But you got the Def Leppard movie. Now, I wasn't really impressed with that. I, I'm not a Doors fan, although I thought the Doors movie was was done, you know, was was okay, was done okay. Um, I really wasn't a fan of Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I do love Queen, but I just thought that they, I thought that they ignored too many things and took too many liberties when making the movie. But uh, it, it's it's a it's a weird thing. It's it's something that because if a band's gonna be um, in the running for a biopic, you're going to have a, a huge history. And how do you cram a huge history into a two, two and a half hour movie? It's difficult. H- how do you do that? I mean, you know, you have a really great documentary history of the Eagles that was, it, it was literally two hours for like the five years that they were together in the seventies. And I thought it was incredible, incredibly well done. How do you do that? How do you, how do you, how do you hire actors to do certain things that aren't going to make it cheesy? How, how do you do that? It's so it's really difficult. So I always like stray away from biopics because so many of them are bad. OK, it's just my opinion. Fair enough, Daniel. Well, uh, it's, ho- it's hard to, to, to create a film that 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 uh, covers a band or a sport. You know, uh, there's always been a problem doing this. Um, when you go to a s- sports, uh, Rocky works a lot. But that's because it isn't really about boxing. It's about, you know, the development of a character. Yes. And I'd say the same thing about biotopics, uh, bio- biographical films. Uh, that If you find an interesting character that develops through the movie, it can work, but you can't just put the music on the film and uh, like 
trying to go through all their hits. It doesn't. It just doesn't work as a film. So you need to find an interesting character and follow that guy or girl and uh, do something from that, and then kind of put in the the music here and there. And I think the Doors worked pretty well with Val Kilmer back in the day. I think it was released like in 91 or something, uh, maybe a little bit later. Uh, I like that one. Uh, but the, a lot of the others, just they don't work. And uh, I think we have some interesting characters in Kiss. So I, I think uh, you could do something interesting with, with Kiss, but, but I wouldn't like to see like, you know, all the hits uh, being show, showed and, um, you know, all the success. You need some, some development of character. That's the whole thing with films in general. Uh, someone going from rich, uh, from rags to riches. Uh, you know, Luke Skywalker going from being a farm boy on a planet far off in space to, you like, destroying the empire at the end of the film. You need some development. And There's no better the, story than that. Yeah, most of the, of, of the musical films, the biographies, uh, they don't do it like that. And, and they try to show the great music. But the music is always better live, performed by the band. So you need to find another approach if you want to success with a, a film about a band. Yeah, that's one area where I thought that Bohemian Rhapsody killed it was in the uh, the creation of Bohemian Rhapsody itself, just trying to capture the magic of what they were attempting in the studio. You know, even though it was completely bullshit in terms of swinging an amp around the room and whatnot, you know, just the Galileos and all that kind of did capture that moment of the music without just reverting to a live scene, which the the last of it. And, of course, uh, the Luke Skywalker story from... Uh, Nerf Herder to Galactic Hero. Yeah, you know, you can't go wrong with that. If I have to pick one, I'm totally with The Doors. That That's one I watch over and over again. Possibly Walk the Line, Johnny Cash story as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't there a, there's one about Ray Charles, isn't there too? I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen Ray that Charles. one. You know, The Temptations was fantastic. Um, Def Leppard I looked forward to, but I just worried about oh. it in much the same way I'm worrying about the Motley Crue one, in that the characters didn't look right. I was afraid that they were going to focus on certain areas and completely ignore the rest. I was also worried that there wasn't enough of a story that could be told about Def Leppard other than a car crash um, to to really make it interesting. And yeah, it it really didn't work. It it was just like cookie cutter. So, and you know, if I have to pick any music related movie that I watch a lot, then it's The Doors and Spinal Tap. But you can't call it Spinal <laughs> Tap. that's That's real, isn't it? It's it's the most realistic of anything that's been done, probably because it is you know taking the piss all the way through. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, see, I want to I want to talk about something that uh, Julian you shared. I, I actually I found this um, in in some of the documents that you shared with with the the esteemed colleagues on on the podcast, and I wasn't aware of this initially, and I got this up here because I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit because it's super interesting with what our topic is today. Uh, it's called the history of Kiss, and it looks like notes that Gene actually made to go to Bill or to go to someone else to create a Kiss biopic at that point. And it was this was done in looks like 1979. Yeah, 79. 
you know, and some of the notes, like I, I read through this and uh, like, like I said, I, I didn't become hip to this till maybe six months ago. And he just kind of lists off what he kind of wanted to do and like how he wanted to do it. And uh, like I'm reading through this. I mean, like, <laughs> it, well, first of all, it's almost to the T as to what greatest show on earth is. And I tell you, I swear I didn't hear that. I did. I didn't read this. Show shots of New York City that made it possible. Skyscrapers, subways, lights and sounds, theater district. Oh, hello. That's the intro of Greatest Show on Earth. Then he goes through the concert footage. Then he goes through the interviews. Make sure you interview, you know, uh, use PM Magazine, use the Nightbird, use 2020, use New Shots, Hot Hero Sandwich, Cadillac Michigan. I use all that stuff. Um, It's so... I'll tie this back to what we're talking about now because I think if they made a biopic about Kiss, I think it would only work from 1972 to 1979. And I think it would kind of be like it would be a rise, a fall. It would be a rise and then a fall and then what's next. And I think you would have to almost end it on a sour note. You would end it on the band losing popularity from Phantom and you would – You'd have them building up to this. Oh, I hope this is going to be great. And then maybe it ends as I was made for loving you is climbing up the charts. You know, something something like that. You know, make it make it a story. But you, you, there's no way you're going to be able to tell a kiss story in two hours. You can't. But I think if you focused on them being a New York City band and maybe maybe you don't follow. Maybe you take it a totally different direction. Maybe you don't follow kiss. Maybe the story is told from. Bill Coyne's perspective, or maybe the story is told from Gene's mother's perspective, or or maybe it's told from an outsider's perspective. So that way, you know, the band is a main focus of the film, but you have another story, like someone is following the band, you know, some something like that. Just it, it would need to be different. So, and I'm probably gonna write a script about it now. So you know, it just mm. <laughs> yeah. When, when, I, when I thought about it, to me, it's there's only one possible main character to me. Gene Simmons. No way, no way. Gene is too boring. Paul is too boring. Peter is too dumb. No, I don't know, but but it seems a little bit off at times. But the guy is Ace. You know, if you focus on Ace, you would have a great story. You know, starting off with him being in local bands, maybe tweaking a little bit with reality and having them opening up for like Wicked Lester, listening to Wicked Lester playing She with flutes. And Ace, you know, smoking Ooh. a, jo- a smoking a yacht, and this, this, those flutes are fucking ridiculous or something. <laughs> and then, dude, you, you got you got something, yeah, you got yeah, something. Yeah. And then seeing Ace fixing up his friends with girlfriends, noodling on the guitar, hanging out in the Bronx, getting in trouble. I mean, Ace has a lot of stories that would fit perfectly in a film. And to me, I would focus on the, the, you know, from the, you know, from that time until maybe um, when they play Madison Square Garden the first time on the Rock and Roll. First, yeah, yeah, that would be then. Yeah. Listen, I'm I'm crediting you for part of the story because I'm gonna write this. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm. If anybody could, it's me, and I'm gonna write it. But but I'm gonna use your ideas, and I'll credit you on that because I think that's a great idea. And 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 I think if you would kind of spice up some of the events a little bit, like maybe Ace got kicked out of his girlfriend's house, and when she was throwing all of his clothes out, she only threw out one red and one orange sneaker. He was like, um, he's like, oh man, I gotta wear, I gotta wear, I got nothing else to wear. (laughs) You know that scene when he enters, you know the the rehearsal. 
rehearsing area uh, applying for the job. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the key scenes to the film, you know, him and, yes. and playing over the other guy. You know, the other guy is trying to show off and Ace just plugs in and starts, you know, trying to tune his guitar over the other guy. I, I can see it in front of me. And the guy said, who are this guy in the red and orange sneaker? And uh, yeah, you can call. Oh, me, but you can you, call. You, you can totally see him going to that rehearsal, that first you know audition, oh, and going yeah. in the wrong room, going to the wrong address, and then oh, you know, going yeah. in. And that would be awesome. In. But yeah. if you you know, I want to get to Ken. So hold on one second, Ken. Um, okay. it, it's think <laughs> of the, the think of the start of Goodfellas, and the style in which Ooh. that is in of that's filmed, and then think of the start of Love It or Hate It, Kiss and Tell. Take me to Cuba. Um, you know what a start to a movie that could be. You know, 1985's Ace. You know, completely drugged out, down on his luck, and you start with hijacking a plane in a gangster type, you know, film sequence, and then go back in time. But you know, Ken, we didn't even talk to you yet about your favorite biopic. Um, so why don't you you get us into that? <clears throat> well, we'll. Real quick, I do agree with you, uh, Jillian, on the the Johnny Cash uh, movie. I thought that was well done. Uh, I always go back to that. It's funny as I always go back whenever it comes on, like Axis TV. I, I watch that that Beach Boys uh, one. Oh, I, I mean, I it's, about it's some goofy, but it's but it's but it's pretty good. It's it, it, you know they do a pretty good job of it. Um, and then there's you know there's been a, attempts at certain Elvis ones. There was this one series. I want to say it came out in the 90s. They 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 created a series. It's like from Nashville to Memphis or something like, or Memphis to Nashville. I think it was called something like that. It was very beginning of Elvis's, you know, beginnings, and it went up through that when they're even on tour, they're going truck or car and going from show to show through to high schools and stuff like that. It was it was fantastic. It was a TV series. And it got canceled. And I, I loved it. I thought this was like just so well done. And I wanted to, to see more. And, it, you know, nothing happened. It was too bad. Uh, I thought that was really great. So as far as, you know, Kiss, I think you have to do a, to me, it's, I, I would I would recommend a, a Netflix type series. If you're going to do the whole, get the whole kind of, uh, you know, from beginning to end, more or less. Um, though I would, I would say that you, you either, in my mind, there's two ways. You, you end at uh, 77, uh, you know, Madison Square Garden, um, or you end the show, end the movie at uh, 90, 96 at Tiger, Tiger Stadium on the Big Return. Um, I don't know if we're going to go through the little things. I think you are, Julian about going through what our key points are uh, and how we would do the movie. Yeah, yeah, we will get there. And I I mean, the the first question, I guess, that we've kind of already answered is, would a Kiss biopic even be possible? Or would it be a a pointless endeavor? And what I was thinking along those lines is that, has already been mentioned, that you couldn't do the whole of Kiss Tree. You'd have to leave out Bruce. You'd have to leave out Tommy and Eric Singer and probably Eric Carr, other than in, you know, thinking about it while you guys have talked, particularly Daniel and Andrew. I, I think... 
you know, I would take it from the original period up to, you know, the departure of the first member of the band and how things started to crumble and have the auditions just be the final scene just so that you could include Eric Carr mm. hitting the stage at the Palladium and makeup just as an honorarium. That would only mean something to, you know, some deep Fast. Kiss fans. But other than that, it has to be the originals there. Um, I like the idea that it focuses on one of the people's stories. And I, I do kind of agree with Daniel about that person having to be from Ace's perspective because of humor and the things that you laugh about are just so important. And Gene being so, so laughter would be a killer in the film, you know, yeah, I, laughter would be such a good yeah. thing to have in certain areas. And be scenes. Like, he'd be like, Hey mom, I've got an audition for, for this. Yeah. Band. And then he's like all excited. He's like, all right, I got it. And he knocks on the door and he opens the door and it's like a folk band. He's like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which you would have if you worked in like Malimo, you know, and the the stuff that he was playing with that band, yeah. and you know, so it, it kind of works in that perspective. Gene is too straight laced. The the story, even though he's like Americana in that he came as an immigrant, didn't speak the language, was made fun of uh, for his Latki accent that he had, um, that he developed a nineteen fifties um screen diction in how he spoke and all that and became a teacher was afraid of spiders and all that uh, it it's it, would, it, it it's, would be it would be perfect in the role of the bully in the band you know telling peter you're illiterate you can't read you can't write you can't even write a song you piece of, you know, that would be his vote to me. In, 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 in the, in the, yeah, but they would never the let villain. that happen. They no, would no, let... but you have some, if you have Kiss producing this film, it would be a total disaster. You know, Paul and Gene would be the heroes and everything else would suck. You need a, an external, you know. Well, produce. what you can do, you can kind of, you can kind of use parallel. You can kind of start out the story with Ace and Ace is really struggling, but then like, you know, almost like a split screen, you, you, you then go to, in in the same in the same room, you go to Gene, Peter, and Paul, and and their band is is I I don't, I don't want to say climbing, but their band is is looking like it's going to be taken to the next level, and they're like, well, we we need something more, like you know, we need or so you you have Ace, you know, getting kicked out of his girlfriend's house, she throws him one red sneaker, she throws him one orange sneaker, then like the next scene is Gene, Paul, and Peter. They're auditioning for Epic Records, where Peter's brother threw up on the guys. Uh, <laughs> you you, you kind of cut to that, and and you know you, you kind of Gene's like, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I don't. He's like, I better you know look for that promotion in my office job. And then Paul's like, oh, maybe I'll take some extra shifts driving the cab. And and then Peter's like, oh, I'm just gonna uh, fucking. And they're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you kind of you kind of start the story like that, and then you know a- Ace walks in, and and. Although they don't want to admit it, they're like, well, this guy, he saved the band. You know, maybe you say that the band was, you know, you have these revisionists telling Kiss's history where they're saying, Gene and Paul were like, we're going to make it. We're going to do this. It's going to happen. But maybe you you show them, we're like, is this is this going to work? You Maybe you humble them a little bit. You have them worried, is this really going to work? Is How are we going to do this? You know, Gene says that in many interviews, he said that he moved his bed into the old rehearsal space because it was easier for him to sleep more and do this. But maybe you have him do that because he couldn't make rent that month and he had to move into there. You kind of you 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 dramatize the story a little bit 
So that way, when you're ending it, because I think ending it at the Madison Square Garden show in February 77 is a great place to end it. And then, you know, during the credits, you show, you know, kiss Marvel comic, kiss love. You, you, you no, no, of, no, 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 no. The you, ending you, should be, you, you the can't ending should omit be like, Tom Snyder. No, 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 no. I would have the ending. Like, you cut to backstage. Well, we did it. We fucking played out to sold up Madison Square Garden. And Ace looks at the rest of the guys. I'll drink to that and starts drinking champagne. And then you start rolling the credits. <laughs> but but I think I think I think you got something there. I think that would be a really great way to tell the story because we've all heard the story of Kiss. VH1 did a, a bunch of really great documentaries in the early 2000s. You had uh, Beyond the Makeup. You had Ultimate Albums Kiss Live. You had When Kiss Ruled the World. All these awesome documentaries. Even you could say Kiss Extreme Close-Up was awesome, even though it was just more of a Gene and Paul story. You had all these great documentaries. I think telling a story like this would be awesome. And, and I tell you, I, after we're done today, I'm going to start writing it. Whatever happens to it, happens to it. But I think, <laughs> I think if you tell the story kind of like that, I think it would be cool. And you work in the historical significance. You work in Bill of Coin. You work in Kiss Alive. You work in those things. And, and I think it could be a really, really cool story. Maybe you even start it at, at there on stage at the garden. You start it there and then you kind of, excuse me, then you kind of go back to where it began. Yeah. You know, that's I, and I was going to say that, uh, Andrews, that's how maybe you start the movie is you have it. That was one of my choices. 77, Madison Square Garden. They just get there. You hear you wanted the best. You got the best, the hottest nice. band in the world. And they, it's kind of, show them and then they don't really go into it into playing but then they maybe like gene simmons looks thinks back looks as his mother in the crowd watching him and he thinks back to they and then they flash back to when he was a little kid watching uh the black and white tv and watching the the cartoons and learning his english from that kind of stuff just show a little bit of where they came from uh, and then maybe Paul Stanley looks at his parents and he thinks about his beginnings or, or about when, you know, I th- people used to bully him when he was a kid. I think uh, stuff like I, I that. Think- what, this is these are things that are what what, you know, formed them into what they became, you know, became later. So I, I think that would be I think that would be a great thing to do. So you started with the you wanted the best to begin the movie. Then you cut to Ace. And then at the end of the movie, you come back to the garden. And that's when you show us, you show us up at the very end where they're standing on stage right before they're playing. Gene sees his mom and he, he flashes back to him being an immigrant. You know, Paul sees his parent. Paul sees him being made fun of. And Peter sees his mother and he's chasing someone in the streets with like a, a bat in a, in a gang. Like, And then you flash back and then they start Detroit Rock City. And then that, that's how the movie ends. That's I think would be awesome. So, you know, I'm going to skip what, you know, the, the, the historic scenes <laughs> that I think each of us want to see in it. I want to come back yeah. to that a little bit later. Um, actors, are there any people that immediately Jeez. come to mind that you could put into these roles and you're like, that's a Bill Alcoin or that's a Sean Delaney or that's, that's a Gene Simmons without a doubt? Um, and- Brian Cranston is Bill Alcoin. From uh, uh, what, what, what show was he? Breaking on? An older Bill Coin, though. Yeah, but they could do something with makeup and, and whatever. But I think I think Cranston would be an awesome Bill Coin. Yeah, Cranston would also be a great Stan Lee. Math and management. Yeah, and then uh, I think Bill Skarsgård from It would be a great Gene Simmons. Fellow Swede. Yeah. Yeah, I think Skarsgård would be an awesome Gene Simmons. 
I, I, I thought about can his son act because he would he would look the part. I don't know if he, he could do the acting, but he's tall, he's kind of menacing, and he looks the part. Mm-hmm. Nick Simmons. I, I think that could be one way to go. Yeah. But I don't think Paul's kid could play Paul. No, 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 no. You need some. Ha- you need yeah, a hands. Actually, I disagree. Uh, Paul uh, Evans' face. Totally, yeah, he he's got a facial structure very Skin. similar to his father. Too, too skinny. Yeah, but Paul, you know, <laughs> fought that battle in the seventies. You know, and what they could do with Evan if he mm-hmm. could act. I mean, mm-hmm. b- because his face. I mean, it would almost be too ironic to have Nick and Evan playing the leads, and that would just really screw everything up in some ways. Because then it would never get away from Gene and Paul, because those two actors or two people are in that role. So it, it would totally torpedo the movie in that sense. I can't think of anyone who could play Ace. Um, I, I would. I would say someone like James Franco. Maybe he's too a bit oh. too old now. But 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 a guy like James Franco who can and do all of you know be crazy. Be fun, everything. Oh man, Level. if James Some, Franco yeah, would do that, yeah. would be the best because it would be a I great case. I remember seeing him in the Disaster Artist playing uh, Tommy uh, Tommy Wiseau, dude. That would be freaking incredible, incredible. You know that that series they did a few years back. What was it called about? Uh, Freaks and Geeks. Oh no. No, uh, I mean the series about you know how porn hookers went into porn. Well, no. I have to look it up. Yeah, please. Uh, you know the the, 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 the what? Why you look at that? The, du- the uh, deuce. The deuce. Oh, the deuce. Yeah, yeah it's a series. Uh, yeah, and, and James Franco plays two parts in that. I think hmm. one crazy guy and one sane guy, and he can just be anything. But uh, someone like James Franco would be a great ace. I, I completely agree with you. To me, uh, I'd rather have more uh, unknown actors, kind of like, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, uh, except for, you know, Rami, or uh, he's he's known. Um, well, remember, uh, the original casting of Freddy was supposed to be, uh, what's his name from? Um, uh, oh, oh, that, Sasha Cohen. That, Sasha yeah, Cohen, yeah, that, he was supposed to be the, the original guy. I don't think that would have worked at all. But anyway, um, I think you get unknowns. I mean, the guys that they got surprisingly looked at them looked like the uh, like brian may and yeah and the the bassist and, and so on uh, <laughs> the it, it, was, it was uncanny poor really. guy was, poor guy the bassist whatever his guy. name is okay. deacon deacon so uh, poor john deacon he doesn't yeah, get um, doesn't get the but, respect you know if they can do something like that you can find there's there's plenty of people out there who look like the originals i mean if you try to as much as you can but once the makeup is on uh, you know, if they put the kiss makeup on, it's you can you can kind of it doesn't matter so much. You could um, almost make this movie without playing a single note of kiss music. Almost. Almost. Yes, I think I think <laughs> you're shaking your head, but I think I think the story would tell itself in a way that you don't need to hear the kiss music because then it could be like a, an international or an independent film house could make it. Can't license kiss music; it's a million bucks a song. Sorry. It's kind of like though that you know it's, you need the soundtrack. Uh, it's like the Kiss concert. You need this. You need the soundtrack of their music to go with the show. I mean, it's just, I don't, just all part of it. You have to have it. Man, I want to make this now because I think if anybody <laughs> could do it, it could be me. And I, I think, man, <laughs> I, you got you got the gears turning in my head because I think that would be. I think it would be so cool to do something like that and to tell it. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna. 
exaggerate certain things. You're going to sensationalize yeah. things a little. But I think it's going to be – I think if you if you make it real and make it funny, non-music, non-Kiss fans and just music lovers would be like, hey, man, this is cool. This is on the streets of New York. You know, you're, you're looking at the New York City paper and the New York dolls are the big and Kiss is like, well, we're going to be that one day, you know? Yep. Daniel just popped away. Oh, you're back. Um, yeah, I don't know what happens. It's, it's the second time. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll, we'll, being thrown out. We'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. So let's go around, you know, and come up with some of the key scenes that you feel should be in the uh, in the movie. And Andrew, I'll be going to you last to give oh, the other good. guys a bit of time to talk. Um, <laughs> but but what what are the things when you think of Kiss's history and it possibly being represented on the movie screen? Uh, you know, with how Bohemian ha- handled the queen scenes you know they didn't stay away from some of the things that we might consider edgy and that's mainly freddy's sexuality they didn't stay completely rooted in live aid they didn't stay safe um they they did a broad you know selection of the kind of the things everyone knows and even though i was sitting there during the movie going that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong um artistic license will come into play ken you know what what's you know, like the first couple of scenes that you think have to be represented in a Kiss biopic? Mm, have to be. Uh, well, definitely them being uh, uh, discovered or, you know, bit, you know, making the flyers and, and Bill, Bill O'Coyne showing up at the, at the show um, at, at one of their, you know, club shows, that, that sort of thing. Um, another one would be, uh, probably, uh, was it, uh, their first show opening, you know, one of the ones that New Year's one where Gene Haird catches fire, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but then later on, I think you want to get the rock and roll, <clears throat> the sex, drugs and rock and roll stuff even in there, um, about the, you know, showing, uh, you know, Gene Simmons, his deal with all the girls running in his room or whatever. And then, <laughs> You have Ace and P, you know, uh, Ace, you know, drinking himself to almost drowning in the pool and maybe Gene saving him, uh, things like that. Because um, that, you know, that could have ended the band right there had Ace, you know, died at that point. Um, yeah, that, that, uh, that would have been a bit of a downer. I think the Academy of Music 73, 74 shows a great example of where kind of c- comedic value and, you know, a historic event could be used as the manager shows up and surprises them with the KISS logo. Gene sets his hair on fire. Rhodey has to quickly think about smothering the hair. Then Gene throws flash paper into the they audience. They burn the and, guy's face. Yeah, so they you know, of, he backstage you know, and they have to, he's like, oh, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. There, there's, there's just a ton of that kind of stuff and they're so far down the bill they're not even named and you've got all these superior acts kind of looking down their noses at these upstart new york guys and then everything that possibly could go wrong does go wrong but they slay the audience i think one scene from the early part that really you know i i want i'm jumping in now to mention it is i just see the possibilities of sean delaney's first choreography lessons with the band trying to get paul stanley to be a he she and swing his ass just has so many possibilities yeah you know getting the band to move and having a flamboyant character like sean you know directing them and trying to get these awkward people to be performers not musicians could be so entertaining that you have paul falling on his ass and ace laughing over to the side going ha ha it's usually me who falls out you know you know shit like that which 
to me just would be horrendously entertaining. Daniel, what are the, some of the things that grab you? Well, there are a lot of scenes in my mind, but one is, uh, you know, putting the makeup on because that's so important for the band. And I would do it like Ace and Paul, because in my movie, Ace would be the main character. He, he and Paul goes to an Alice Cooper uh, show and likes it. They like it and they try, they go home and put on the makeups. Uh, and that would also include some sort of, some uh, TV appearances that they actually did and my pick would of course be the mike douglas show i mean <laughs> that's that's so cool yeah. when ace is to- i mean gene is totally off you know playing the monster and doesn't really know how to act am i going to stay in character or am i going to you know be a regular guy and then him going backstage and like sweating and the guy said that's the last time you'll do an interview alone let's put some other guy in front of the camera next time and then you move on to you know disastrous reviews in the papers that classic ad with uh, you know these guys shouldn't stop they they, they stop working because they won't be around in a few years that's a good one and uh, all the things with uh, parents won't come and see us and then you would just have a close shot on G and he says perfect with a sneer you know we, we're not here in it for the parents we're in it for the kid, in it for for the kids. So something about the makeup and how it uh, develops, and um, you know them uh, being hated, uh, and then you will follow them, you know, to Madison Square Garden. All right, Andrew, you've been so patient. Go. I have a really, really awesome scene that I have in my mind because I would want to hit all the historical things, but I also want to tell the story. So one of the scenes that would be in my mind, it's it's Ace. He's in his house. His makeup is still half on. He's sleeping. And and his mother's like, "Uh, excuse me, Paul, Paul. And he kind of looks up and he's so tired. He's been on the road for so long. And maybe you put like a little thing at the bottom. You says days on the road, 68 days home one. And Ace is still living with his parents. And uh, they're like, "Uh, excuse me, uh, someone named Bill, Bill LaCoin is on the phone with you. And then Bill's like, Ace, uh, I tried to call Gene, but his phone's disconnected. And and, and Peter was rampant already, but we got to get down here. We got this, you know, just something, something along those lines where if we're going to make Ace the main character, you make you make it so that way someone had to communicate with Ace. You know, Gene's phone was shut off or Paul's out driving a cab and Peter thinks everything's a conspiracy. So he doesn't pick up the phone. And so he had he had to he had to call Ace because Ace <laughs> Ace is the guy that's still living at his parents house. So they, they get they, they get Ace on the phone They're like, Ace, you got to You got to come down here. And then you just you 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 go. What what I would do is I would take all of the the key moments in history and I would kind of add humor to them and I would I would make it in a way that you could tell a story that not only revolves around Ace but maybe also revolves around the the other the other three guys too. I definitely want to show Sean Delaney, you know, teaching them how how to do these things and uh, I I definitely want to show them in the studio for the very first time mm. or I I want to show them traveling for the very first time and and they're saying well maybe one day we could afford a plane and Gene's like I'm not getting in a plane, you know, it's, I don't care how much money we have. I'm staying right here in this car. You know, you, you you go over you go over those little things. There's there's so many things that you can do, but I I wouldn't want it to be like a straight lace serious film because I think you would you it wouldn't be successful if you did it that way. I would want it. I would want to add humor to it, and I would want to sensationalize you know certain things. Yeah, Ace Gene saving Ace when he was drowning in the pool. I definitely would want to talk about that. 
where you want to talk about how in the southern states they were looked at as homophobic or, or, or whatever, you kind of go into that or, you know, you you go into you the makeup thing or you, there there are so there are so many little events that that I would that I would go into. Um, but again, I think telling it through Ace's eyes is the way to go. I really I really, really do, because you have so many funny things that, that you can do. And then people's reactions to Ace and how he was there's actually an i, I would want to i know this wouldn't be historically accurate but i would kind of want to work in that that time where peter wrecked his car in the parking garage and and i would do i would have someone call up paul and then be like paul your drummer he's been in an accident oh my god where is he okay uh actually mr stanley the car never left the parking garage <laughs> yeah it would be easy to paint paint yeah. peter as peter a stupid guy yeah. be like what Yes, he just uh, rammed it into the wall front and back and, until the car was totaled. But there's an interesting story. Ace crashed his car in yeah, his course, driveway as well. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not just, not just Peter. You know, Ace during is those sessions, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why Ace should, should be the focus of the film because there are so many stories, you know, him talking about being from a different planet, what? seeing UFOs being abducted by you, uh, aliens. I mean, he has all the stories. And following him through, uh, uh, some of you mentioned, I think you mentioned Elvis, the documentary about Elvis. I think it was Ken, yeah. And that's a perfect, you know, parallel. Asus said that he met Elvis, you know, but he did, he doesn't even remember it. And that's a perfect scene. <laughs> and and the, in the beginning, you could have Paul, you know, driving people to the garden. He always tells this story, you know, mm-hmm. he's driving people to the garden and they're going to see Elvis. So there's, that's... That scene is somewhere in the beginning. And then Ace meets Peter. No, not Peter. He meets Elvis, and he doesn't even remember it. And and, and by the end, they, they play the garden, and Elvis, you know, dies. So Elvis could be part of the film. Well, I'm thinking to uh, do a a movie. I thought they were going to do a movie on Cadillac, that, that whole thing that happened at the school. They could do a whole movie of Cadillac. I mean, it could be about the school. It could be about the whole thing about how Kiss came there. Yeah, their but, team started so, winning when they put on the Kiss makeup and the whole thing, you know, that kind of a thing, inspiration kind of thing. Listen, that no one at that school. No one, no one here is tied to Cadillac more than me. You know, I've played Cadillac. I've met all of the officials in Cadillac that were part of that. I thought, and listen, crucify me for this. That's a terrible idea for a movie. Who's your main <laughs> character? Who's your main character? What you, you have one event and the event. Listen, don't get me wrong. The event is awesome, but you're going to make a movie about a high school football team and how they started playing music to start winning. Just for some reason, for mm-hmm. me, that doesn't that's not a story that like that's not going to move anything. I'm going to see that and be like, yeah, OK, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, there's there's nothing. There's no journey that happens. They the team was winning in, in 1973. Then they were losing in 1974, then winning again in 1975. Or, or maybe I got the years wrong, but the team was winning, then losing, and then winning again. It, this, there's not really a, a, a coming-of-age story out of that. You're going to follow a bunch of high school kids from the 70s in a high school football. It'd be terrible. It's a terrible idea for a movie. It's awful. But yeah, we need, I, to, we need I, to talk yeah. Maybe that's why they didn't do it. Yes, yeah, because, because someone's they like, were going to do it. They were. They were. They were. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible idea for a movie terrible idea but and that and that doesn't i I take nothing away from the people in cadillac 
or the people that helped put that on. That was an awesome event. And the way that they brought the whole town together for one singular event was awesome. Yeah, and, I don't and take it, any- it, it would play a role in any movie about Kiss. It would be a yes. scene that, you yes. know, I've got you guys a gig. Where's it going to be? It's a high school, you know. Yeah. I thought you said no more high school auditoriums, Bill. This one is special, guys. This one is special. But we're gonna look, look fly, we're gonna fly there, and I've got a helicopter. But here, here's one of the scenes that I think could be really entertaining. Uh, we we talked about it already. Ace really trying to find the audition because <laughs> if, if you read, I, I think it was in Kiss and Makeup that Gene talked about that they had a black guy show up, they had an Italian guy with an accordion show up, and just that kind of assembly line of the wrong guy showing up leading into the scene where Bob plugs in and plays fantastic rock and roll uh, lead right in the correct vibe and having Ace then come in and play on top of him even though Bob says it doesn't happen artistic license allows you to go with the the legend over the reality or maybe <laughs> Bob just doesn't want to admit that it happened um you know so so whatever the case i think you could have so many funny guys coming in you know like vertically challenged people who can barely <laughs> hold their guitar you really could turn it into something very spinal tapish and have the humor and, and again have people laughing uh, and having gene going next you know or wouldn't, wouldn't it be bombing. funny though wouldn't it be funny though if while bob is playing and they've already played a song with bob and they're like this is the guy and then you know gene is kind of talking to peter going do you think we could put a wig on him and they're like, I think he, if we put makeup on, look like Bozo the Clown right now. And they're like, yeah, we can't do that. You know, just you know, play play up on that a little bit where they're doing it aside. And Gene is drawing a wig on him, going, that that might work. And then, then Paul, and then Paul, like, what if there's a strong gust of wind? The wig's gonna blow right off. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's probably right. One, <laughs> one other scene I think you have to put in there, and I think maybe this is part of that Madison Square Garden beginning or ending of the movie, whatever is where Gene and Paul or whoever, I think, you know, they, they get their tickets for the show and they walk through the crowd. And oh, they actually nope. go through the crowd and people don't recognize them. And they right before their, their huge four-night, you know, sellout at Madison Square Garden where they always said they wanted to play. I mean, that is just you you know, know a thing that's, that would be That's cool. the opening scene. The opening scene is shots of the New York City streets and then as you get closer to Madison Square Garden, you see Kiss tonight. You see people wearing Kiss shirts. And then you see two guys dressed in, you know, Re- high end clothes. Yeah, yeah high end regular clothes. Like, you know, Spires. they're wearing like, you know, yeah, they're wearing all kinds Seven of funny issues. stuff. They hand you the tickets. They walk through the crowd and you're following them. And all you're seeing is the backs of their heads. Yes. And then and then as right. they finally get backstage, they go, Gene, Paul, your your guys are on in 90 minutes. You need to get into makeup. Mm-hmm. That's how you start. Exactly. That's how you start. That's freaking. Then, then you that's, go back to the dude, beginning. The hair, the hair on my arms is standing up. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. That's that's because what you can do is as you're going through the crowd, you can focus on groups of people to show that at the time Kiss was a phenomenon. You can show teenagers. You can show adults. You can show kids. You can show older people who are probably their parents, but you don't know that. And you just you show the diversity of the crowd at that time. And then maybe you show you know you you show groupies, you show news uh, news crew at the same. People just wanted to get a glimpse of Kiss, and they couldn't. Yep, that's the way to that's the way yeah. to do it. That's the way to do it. I think we have time for one more scene each that we think is mandatory for being in this movie. And again, a lot of my stuff is focused on humor. 
And I think the cream photo shoot of 1974, where they were tricked into not wearing their makeup and getting busted, could just be done very comedically, um, almost slapstick, um, just to really make fun of how naive these guys really were at times so early on in their career, even though they're breathing fire and blowing stuff up on stage, uh, could be very entertaining. Daniel, what would be one last scene that you say has to be in this movie or you're not going to go see it? Well, there are a lot of scenes, but I think we have to throw Peter a bone, you know. <laughs> we've, we've been pretty harsh on him. And you need some sort of turning point in the, in the movie, you know. They they are struggling. Uh, they're trying to get famous, and um, the albums are tanking. So you you could involve the song Beth in some way, uh, and that ties in good with, with that ties in well with Jeans telling Peter you can't write, you're illiterate, you're dumbass, yeah, you know. And then later on, it's Peter that gets the hit, you know, with Beth. And you get all the jealousy from Gene and Paul. And that's what uh, put, puts them over the top. So something, so Peter gets something at least, because we've only been talking about him being stupid, you know, <laughs> be doing the wrong stuff. So maybe he can do one thing right, and that's writing Beth, even though he might not even have done that. But in the film, he's the one writing that song. And that's what brings them over the top. And uh, I would have some... He, he, no. br he brought it to the band. Let's give yeah, him... Yeah, he brought it to very, yeah. You know, yes. in, in the very least, give him that. Andrew, let's yeah. go to your last scene that has to be, because I want to have Ken have the final word on that. I, I'm actually going to extrapolate on that scene a little bit because you, you can show them going to Europe for the very first time. And, and Peter, although he's the, the road dog of the band, he's been playing the longest, he missed home. And all of his acting out was because he missed home. So, you know, he's getting ready to jump off the hotel, you know, uh, for, he's getting ready to jump off the ledge on the hotel and he's quitting the band. But he sits down back in his room and he's like, damn, I, I really miss, I, I miss Lydia. I, I have to, he's trying to call Lydia. She doesn't, she doesn't pick up. So, He's he's like he's writing a song and, and originally it's titled Lydia. And then, you know, he turns on the TV and, and Jeff Beck is on TV and he's like, maybe I could call it Beck. And then he, he brings the song to the guys and he's like, I got the song. It's it's Beck. And they're like, you like Jeff Beck? And they're like, no, no, it's, it's just Lydia didn't fit. And he goes, well, why don't you call it Beth? Then you cut you cut into him singing the song and they're all sitting there at the mixing console going, is this going to work? And, you know, Paul or Gene would be like, you know, just let him have one. We're not even, we're going to put it on the B side. It's not even, just don't even worry about it. This song is dead. Do not just let him have the one. And then he'll be, we, you know, whatever. And then the song becomes a hit. And then, you know, you cut to the, the People's Choice Award of them getting the People's Choice, um, you know, and Lydia accepting the award. But you show a, a, footage, a, a, a thing of Lydia backstage and they're going, are you Beth? And then Lydia's like, no, I'm actually yes yes I'm, i am beth yes i am beth you know because she had been tired of hearing it for for so long that she you know the song wasn't written about her uh, but i think that's a, a way to do it because you know peter went nuts on that first european tour so the way to kind of as you said throw peter a bone bring it back or he's he's sitting in his room and he he in this version of the story he writes the song and then the song becomes a hit nice okay ken give us the most reasonable the most Obvious one that we've all missed. Obvious one. Well, I don't know. I, I think 
one is is I think it's at, at Detroit uh, or wherever they were uh, were playing live where they were given presented their first gold album award for Kiss Alive on stage, right? Yeah, yeah. that's the truth. Yeah, yeah, to show that you know that they hey we they didn't know but they that it was kind of like there they realized that you know what we did it we finally you know we made it and then it's from there on it's you know hopefully you know clear sailing uh going forward but just another comedic kind of thing uh for daniel with ace because he wants his ace movie i I thought about isn't there this uh was super gluing his the furniture to the ceiling (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's got to be in there as a comedically like you i need more glue (laughs) you know curly give me more glue (laughs) like oh my god is he sniffing glue again yeah sniffing glue no he's gluing the you know furniture and things to the the ceiling (laughs) It's like this, you know, the boredom of of being a rock star stuck in your your hotel room and the things you yes. end up doing in there. When when you ultimately think about it, and some of the ones that we've covered and mentioned today, the list is endless. We haven't even gotten to shooting Christmas trees. We haven't gotten to <laughs> Ace Frehley right. being brought to task for his champagne bills, or Paul Stanley being brought to task for buying too many guitars. Um, you know, there are memos that support a lot of this stuff that you know Paul was having to return guitars, and there were meetings that said that these had to come out your personal funds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We haven't even mentioned Neil Bogart, who. Mike Myers would be a fantastic Neil Bogart. Ooh, you're right. Oh, there you go. Because he could be an amalgamation of so many different things and the quirks. And I mean, Neil Bogart is a legend in the industry, no matter what, for how he was a wheeler dealer. You can have the undertones of the mafia funding the band early on. Um, again, it's just, yeah. it's never ending the amount of scenes. If you think of that list that Andrew was mentioning that Gene had written, Try and write that down now with what we know about the band. And I know Andrew's going to be going back and listening to this episode to make sure he gets notes of everything that we've talked about. And if not, the stuff that he knows off the top of his head or Daniel knows off the top of his head that we could be writing down of what are these scenes would easily fill up a few pages in a few minutes if any one of us tried to do that. But let's end with a final question on this. What would you call it? What would be your what would be your title for a kiss biopic out on the streets? Yeah, that, that's a pretty good one. I, I would go even oh, I'm, I'm going to go completely dumb and I would say rock and roll all night. You know what? That would work because that that would work. That would because because it it is so obvious and it really is about the story of kiss is what did they want to do? They wanted to rock and roll all night and party every day or go shopping at least. Or, you know, or yeah. shout it out loud or something like that. That's, that's I mean, a good one as well. Shout out loud's a good one too. Daniel, knock us out. Well, with your well you can pick any any song from the early days, Nothing to Lose, you know, Strange Ways. And nothing uh, to Lose is a good Cold Gin if it's about Ace. Uh, and <laughs> there it's you go. Actually, you, you know, that one again. Or just Hard mentioned. Times. Nothing to, hard times, nothing yeah, to lose. Hard times. Shout it out loud. If you, if you were going to pick song titles for it, I mean, really do kind of work. Out on the streets doesn't quite... like a, That's more like a homeless hooker story. That's been done, yeah. Mm. yeah, it's yeah. I, I really like Nothing to Lose. 
I mean, again, because even though the book is called, they had nothing to lose. Right? Well, well, because the book is called that. Okay, it's a, a spin-off. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and again, that's another scene in the book. Gene, what's this song about? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> the back door yeah all right i i think we can leave it there but you know that's a good way to end it yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll 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 end it at the back door but you know for everyone who's been you know made it this far through this episode you know <laughs> what what are some of the critical scenes that you think have to be included were kissed to do a biopic what are the ones that you would most like to see and how would you like them handled we've talked about the comedy of the the, the auditions uh or the some of the drama aces glue sniffing car crashes and whatnot you know but what are the ones that you want and also what are your thoughts on any of the other topics that we've touched on today eddie trunk should he just give up on kiss and go away or does he continue to rant like an angry lunatic um so for now from andrew from daniel from ken and myself we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time bye drink gene simmons soda (laughs) i'd put up an ad for it on the episode andrew but i'd get flagged for copyright violations and i'm tired of that (laughs) would you really though thank you for spending time listening to the kiss faq podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.